Hello and welcome to Speak Your Mind, the podcast with Carla Peva. Today we will be speaking with a special guest, Lisa Warren. She will be sharing her story with us. Welcome, Lisa. Tell us your story and how it started. Thank you so much. Um, I was born in 1984 in Arcata, California. Um, I was born to my parents and I had an older brother and sister. And um, it was a very interesting and dysfunctional family for me growing up. I was the very happy-go-lucky kid, um, friends with everybody, popular in school when I was younger. Uh, my sister, on the other hand, she uh, was very depressed, and I remember her being really depressed at, e- at a super young age, um, from the time I was about four. Um, it came from a, a parents, a father who was over, and a mother who was not affectionate at all. Okay. And- um, my brother wasn't really around a whole lot. He was really into drugs and alcohol at a very young age. Um, got himself into a lot of trouble at a young age. Um, arrested juvenile hall. Um, and I, I just never let any of that bother me when growing up. It, it never seemed to bother me a lot. I was always happy, 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 happy. People always told me to keep that smile on your face. It's going to take you somewhere someday. Um, and. I remember lots of things in school that I joined in, a jump roping team, um, I was doing things all the time, dancing and playing and at the time and um, I spent most of my time outside with my friends. I never really spent a lot of it inside and if it was inside with my, my family, very dysfunctional, we never had sit down meals, um, we never had family time everybody kind of just did their own thing and we, okay. lived, we lived in such a small town um pull in the tent uh that we could just roam the town and go wherever we wanted my my brother and sister and i we could just go wherever we wanted so i spent a lot of time at my my friend's house my best friend's house at the time and outside and it was just so negative at home that it wasn't comfortable at home was there in the house that it brought that negative vibe? I think my mom came from a very depressed state. I think my mom had been depressed since having children. I don't think she really was a mothering type. Um, she was gone a lot. Um, she worked at the school that I went to. She was the lunch lady at the school. And she. we never had a clean house. We always had you know animal droppings everywhere um there was never an i love you from my mother my mom said i love you it was like a stop in our tracks type of thing like what did she just say um and as i got older about five six years old seven years old and i was at the school my mom really went went off the deep end she just didn't care anymore she didn't care we were home i was home I, I didn't see my dad worked all the time so I didn't see him very often um, and my mom being that she worked at the school we did anything my brother sister and I we were we were hit um, she would yell at us and she got to the point to where she wasn't cooking anymore she wasn't coming home very much anymore um, and dinner was what we had for lunch 
school, it would come home in, in like five gallon buckets. And so whatever was left over from our lunch at school, we would have for dinner. Um, and that's what we would, we would eat. Um, and it turned out that my mom had been having an affair on my father at the time. And again, I was about six, seven years old at this time. And she had taken a second job at a casino. So she was working at the school in the afternoons and going to work at the casino where she was working and, and spending time with this gentleman. Um, and things got really nasty because my mom was very angry. She was getting caught at what she was doing. She was very angry. There were lots of fights when my dad was home. My dad worked at the mill very long hours. And I found myself to be lost in that situation. My sister was depressed and she didn't talk to anybody. My brother was gone a lot, all, like all the time, doing whatever he was doing, being in jail. And my parents were dead. I just found myself in this world of Lisa. This my world. This was what I was going to do. I was just going to keep doing what makes me happy. And, you know, it got... It got very hard when I was about seven and a half, eight. That's when it really turned. It turned really sour. My dad ended up taking a job south, about four hours south of where we were living at the time. Um, and so he wasn't around at all at that point, not even a little bit that he was before. He wasn't at all. Um, my mom continued to have her affair and I was left home one night with my, my brother and my sister. And my mom came in and she stuck a knife to herself. And she said, I don't want kids. I never should have had kids. I don't want any of you. I want you out of here. I want to die. I don't care about you. I just want to do my own life. I want to be free of this all. And I remember throwing up and running as fast. I don't, I remember eating some bread because I wasn't feeling good. and. I didn't know what was going to happen. I was the little girl lost at that point. Um, I hadn't had my mom in my life for many years. She didn't care. She didn't. She didn't teach us anything. She didn't. Um, she didn't do anything with us. And so at that point, the only choice I had was to go move south, which was Mendocino County, where my dad was. And my sister and I made that decision to go and spend some time with my dad. Um, my brother, again, was off on his own trip. And uh, <clears throat> that was what we did. We packed up what little things we had and we moved down to uh, Mendocino County with my dad at the time. So basically, basically your mom went on her own? My mom went on her own. My mom left. She lived at the time, but I know it was somewhere in Montana. And she left everything she had behind everything her children her life home her mother <laughs> um everybody she just left um okay and you guys decided to go um see your dad decided that it was time for us to go spend some time with our dad it wasn't safe to be with my mom at that so we packed up and moved to Mendocino County and we were only supposed to be there. We had gotten, a, my sister and I had received a letter from my mom saying she was gonna come and get us in a week or two. She, she 
she came to terms and she was sorry and she was going to come and get us and we were to go move to Montana with her um, and my dad put up a bit of a fight the biggest fight he has ever put up for any of his children he put up with him um, he fought for us and he was able to keep us through the courts according to the courts at that time I was eight and a half and my sister was 11 and they allowed us to choose so we chose to stay with my dad and after okay we moved my dad things at first my dad gave us everything and my dad bought me every madonna album every picture every poster gave my sister all the things that she wanted he, he was trying to to give us love by buying us things and, and making sure that we felt safe being with him um my dad was always very inappropriate uh, it was never give me a kiss on the cheek. It was always give me a kiss on the lips. And um, very just out of bounds in certain ways, um, as I'll get to when my story continues here. We got new clothes. I, I was wearing clothes from Macy's. We'd never stepped foot in a Macy's before. I mean, my goodness. Um, we were doing things. We felt like we were in a safe spot, my sister and I. We felt finally like we were away from the chaotic stuff. We can live here with dad. Everything will be good. We'll go to school. And it started out that way for the first year. Things were changing. Um, again, dad was working at the mill. Um, we did have a roommate. My, my dad had a roommate there that we um, shared the apartment with and to be a child predator at the time. Um, we were not super aware of who he was and his comments and what his comments meant. Um, one night when my roommate came into our bedroom completely naked and tried to attack my sister and I, I was scared beyond belief. We screamed, heads off, pounded on the floor, did everything we could to wake my dad up who happened to be home at that time and he came in and, and kicked the guy out before anything terrible could have happened. Um, wow, that's, had, that's frightening. It was very frightening and had my dad not been home, I'm really not but um, very thankful he was home at that moment. Uh, um, carrying on with my life, the, the, the roommate moved out he was he was kicked out and we were left with you know paying the rent on our own my dad paying the rent on his own mother or sister my sister was not communicative with me she she was so depressed she just kept to herself in her books and that was it um i got my first period and had no idea what it was i was didn't know what was going on and i didn't know what the emotions were i didn't know what was happening to me I just continued on for months it was a good four months before I found out actually what it was and what was happening to me <clears throat> it took me um, changing my clothes in my bathroom where my my family was living my sister and my dad and I pulling her aside and saying you need to talk to your sister something's going on with her my sister explained and she was like you know did you did this happen to you and I was like, I was, oh no, that appearance, that carried on. My dad, he started selling off stuff as we were living with him. Um, school was going pretty good. Um, 
but as he as he got selling stuff of his um, various items around the house that camera that he had cherished and you know, it was our family vehicle our only transportation and I was asking him what was going on he had to pay the rent so I got to sell all that. but he had a really good job at the mill so I didn't understand what what was going on I had no idea what was going on with that it turned out he had gotten into drugs really deep into drugs um, and that was his lifestyle at that point he was addicted um, cocaine meth um, pot, all of the things. No, no alcohol was involved. Food was not happening in the house at all. We, we were not fed at all. There was a portion of my, my life with my dad, 12, when all this really, when groceries stopped happening, food stopped happening, um, hot water stopped happening electricity um, and it became growing up not having a mom not having any female person around I think um sorry it's okay um and my sister and she got pregnant super super she she had left that she had been messing around and, and not really being in the household a whole lot going off with friends during the daytime and she she and and she ended up out with the father of her her child at the time moving in with his family in a house where i was alone most of the time with my with my and um i remember one instance with him one of the good times i had with my dad where we were listening to the radio we were listening to the nightly radio and a lady came on real really super thick southern accent from texas and she was having her nightly show and i told my dad i looked at him i said i have to meet this person i have to meet her i don't know why but something's telling me i have to meet her so we called up and we we met her she went by the name of Late Night Liz. And uh, she played old 50s, 60s music Dad and I would listen to. And uh, she found out how I was living. She came by and checked out my house and saw that there was no food. There was no electricity. There was no heat. My bed at the time was a blow-up um, floaty toy that you would put in a, in a swimming pool. One of those long blow-up yeah pool toys that um and that was what i had and she came in and she said listen she goes john i want to talk to you about your daughter she needs something she needs something and i'm going to pay for her first dance classes for a little while and i want your permission to allow her to and he of course oh yeah go ahead Go ahead, she can go. And I started dancing. That was that was my life. That turned into my lifesaver. I started dancing. I started with um, African dancing. My one class a week that I was that paying for, and I would come home to an empty house, cold, no food, um, 
nothing to eat. So I would then go next door to the neighbors and I would dig through the garbage can to see if anything was thrown out that I could forge for and eat. And most is lucky. <laughs> and if I needed to shower or bathe, it heating up water on top of the pouring it in a bucket and taking it upstairs as much as I could have been pouring it in the bathtub and bathing myself that way. Um, so I, I took a bath two weeks, once, maybe even once a month sometimes. <clears throat> and it was cold and lonely and my time just watching TV when I was alone and when my dad did come home he would sleep most of the time and, and that was pretty much his life is drugs, work, sleep. Um, on the rare occasion he was home and awake he would come upstairs about two o'clock in the morning where I was sleeping and he would take his fingers and open up my eyes and put his mouth to my eyes and are you awake? Are you awake? And I always woke up and he said, hey, listen, I, I, I've got a buddy. He gave me $20. We can go get food or we can go get lottery scratchers. I'm thinking we should go get lottery scratchers. And if we win more, then we can get more food. And I would say to him, you know, yeah, but what if we don't win? I'm hungry and, you know, I, I want to eat something. Be sure we'll win something. He goes, so let, let's go. And again, mind you, I didn't have, we didn't have a vehicle. So it was a good two mile walk to the local Safeway where we were at two o'clock in the morning. So I'd walk up, wow. to, walk up to Safeway with him on lottery scratchers. If we won, well, we were, I was gifted with a bag of cookie, a loaf of bread and peanut butter, or his favorite meal to make me caroni, relish and mayonnaise. <clears throat> And um, if he didn't win, we walked back home and I went back to bed. So I found myself at that point getting depressed. I, I, I would call it a depression. Now that I'm older, I can really see that that's what it was. Um, and I found myself trying to get into as many dance classes as I could, but I couldn't pay for them. So at the time, my dance teacher, she really liked me. And she said, listen, and she goes, I'm not sure what's going on. But she goes, we have scholarships, you know, and you can dance on a scholarship. And I said, really? And she was like, yeah, let's get you a scholarship. Go, Great. So one class a week turned into three classes a week. It got me away from home. It got me away from being hungry. I wasn't hungry. I was dancing. I didn't think. And at that point with my schooling, um, I decided, and I had asked my dad for permission, because being under the age of 18, you have to have permission to see if you can drop out of school and, and homeschool yourself. And they call it independent study. And of course, he didn't care. Go for it. So at end of sixth grade, seventh grade, I, I uh, started independent study. And it was my responsibility to do my homework and bring it to the teacher and she would grade it and do all the things. So I was, I was doing it alone, uh, very lonely, <laughs> but I danced. I danced three dance classes a week, turned into four dance classes a week, which turned into six dance classes a week, which turned into my dance teacher asking me if I wanted to co-teach with her. You know, she, she approached me, she's like, you're really, really dancing a lot. She goes, I, I 
can allow you to dance with me for free if you want to co-teach my classes with me. I have a lot of kids in classes and I need a, a side teacher to help. You wow, know. That, that, that was an amazing opportunity. It was an amazing opportunity. And of course, I jumped on it. I was like, yeah, I'll be here. Helping the kids. If one has to go to the bathroom, I can take it while she continues to teach. Absolutely. So I started to do that and my classes were paid for because I was working them off. I was I was dancing and um, helping her with the kids and everything. Well, months went on doing that. Um, I came to the realization that this was my calling. Dancing was, was what was saving my life at this point. I mean, I was, I was safe. If I was dancing, I was safe. I didn't have to go home to a dirty house with no heat or electric or anything I was getting all my pain out through dancing and my teacher then asked me at the time her name was Camille and she asked me she said hey you're doing really good at co-teaching how about I give you some classes of your own we'll start you with the tap class and we'll stop you start you with the jack you can have your own classes you'll make your own money and let's see how it goes like sweet you know I'll have my own money you know 13, 14, I'll have my own money, my own stuff. That's great. So I started teaching. And I was hiding my money that I would make. It wasn't a lot in the beginning. Take care of myself in the meantime. I didn't have enough to pay rent though. So when I did find my dad at home sleeping, I would steal his wallet and run the four blocks down to the landlady's house and open up his wallet and give her whatever was inside his, his wallet to pay the rent. Um, and my dad wasn't an angry person. He, he, he didn't really get angry. He just was always on drugs, so he didn't know where his money went. So he didn't really know that where I was taking it. And the landlord kind of knew what was going on, but I think she knew, more or less knew that I needed a place to live. So she kind of just let us live there with what I was giving her. Um, Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And so I started teaching my classes and I was making a little bit of money that I was making enough to, you know, get myself some food or, or whatever. And um, it got to the point to where I was done. I was so happy in my dance studio and so happy with my dance teacher that one night I was taking my, I was taking one of my classes I wasn't teaching at the time and I dropped to the floor and I laid there at the end of class and I said, I can't go home. I cannot go home anymore. I don't want to go home. I can't go home. And she said, well, what's going on? And I was like, well, I can't go home. Like, I just couldn't explain. I couldn't get the words out fast enough to her. I just couldn't. I didn't even know what to say to her. And I was like, well, take me home and I'll show you. And she had been picking me up um, and bringing me home from my dance classes um, periodically because it was like sometimes our classes got out at like 10 o'clock at night want me oh i see she didn't want me walking home alone so she'd drive me home and just drop me at night and she did and i asked her to come in and she came in and she says well why is it so dark and i was like i don't have any heat i don't have any hot water what food is in the cupboard is all that's there which was you know normally hot potatoes and nothing in the fridge and at that point she looked at me and she said you know what lisa she goes this makes sense and I said, what? And she goes, I've been watching. Every time I pick you up, you smell so terrible. She goes, you smell awful. And I said, well, I haven't showered in, you know, a long time. And I don't know 
you know what else to do and I'm tired of living this way I need help and that night was the night that really changed me I grabbed a few clothes again moving out of another family member's home grabbing my things and going to my dance teacher's house that night and um I remember she said, I don't really have a place for you to stay right now. My house is really small, but go ahead and sleep on the floor. And um, she got me a a cot and I slept on the floor and I had the best meal I've ever had. And I remember going to the bathroom and there was a flushing toilet, which was exciting all in itself to me. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I can only imagine. It's like, um, you know, this opportunity came to you and it's like wow it's it's like a a new chapter in your life and all these new things being presented to you it's like um you're reborning again Mm -hmm. it did feel like a rebirth and i woke up the next morning and she brought me a towel a shower i want you to go take the best shower you've ever had I was like, okay. So I showered and didn't know what I was doing. As simple as a shower can be. I had no idea that the shower curtain goes on the inside of the the tub, not the outside of the tub. So I flooded her entire bathroom, which sent me on a crying spree. I was so embarrassed and so upset. And she was like, did you not know how to use a shower? And I was like, I've never really used one before. I I don't know. And she's like, okay. She goes, no, he yeah. And so I lived on her I lived on her floor for probably a week before they decided that they found an old trailer. I don't even know how long it was. Maybe 20 feet long trailer. It wasn't big. A bed and a, and um not really a kitchen. There wasn't a lot that worked in it, but it was a home. It was a place for me to live. And she says, "You know, I know you're only like 14, so and you know but you make your own money teaching dance and I'm going to give you some more classes to teach so you'll make even more money and um, I'm going to have you live here we're going to can live in the trailer on the back of the property she goes you can take care of yourself and I'll be there if you need me just holler if you need me you know and that was like a newfound freedom because I was on my own I paid my own things bought my own groceries when I got a ride to town <laughs> I couldn't drive yet of course um paid for a porta potty because the trailer didn't have a bathroom so I paid for that every month um had a little camp stove that I hooked up into the trailer and it was me and at the time my cat we lived in that trailer we had cable we had movies I got up at two in the morning to make myself pancakes if I wanted to I was I was free and all this time I was teaching dance taking dance and going to school I was homeschooling myself and it was it was good it was a good to find myself at that age to find my independence to find some strength within myself to know that this too shall pass um my dad ended up sending a letter which i still have (laughs) um to my dance teacher and i that said you know you can have lisa she's got potential and that was really all it said I'll always love her, but she's got potential. Maybe you can do something with her. Straight out. Wow. And he left. 
he took off. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. So, um, you know, crazy, but you know, it's like very sad. Because not only had my mom done that, my dad was doing it now. Yeah. And my, my dad left the area. He actually picked up his things and he moved out of Mendocino County back up to Humboldt County where we had, you know, where I was born and before my mom left. And that was, that was the, that, that was it. I was, was gone. My brother was gone. My mom was gone. My dad was gone. Me being who I am, I picked myself up and was like, okay, this is life now. Let's keep going. And, uh, you know, things when I got taken in, I call it getting adopted, but it wasn't a legal adoption by all means. Um, as teacher, you know, one of the first things was healthy. You know, let's feed you, let's get your teeth fixed, and let's um, clean you up, get you some clothes, get you what you need. And I was devastated to do my dental work, absolutely devastated. I was so scared, and I knew I needed so much work. And I was lucky enough to find a dentist who really, really helped me out. He started me off, um, I think it was like four root canals, um, a couple extractions, fillings in almost every tooth. Um, and at the end of it all, all the dentistry done, it was $17,000 worth of work. And I paid myself, all of it. By the time I turned 18, I, made, I went in and everybody cheered for me and clapped because I brought in my last $700 payment. I paid it to him and I was so proud of myself I did that myself I did that myself by working hard and by keeping myself focused and I did that and I felt really good about it um, and all, and the issue with your teeth all happened because of the malnourished right yes I was I was deeply mal- malnourished yeah I was, and what people don't realize is a lot of your sickness can come from your teeth. I was sick a lot. Um, I was, I did not feel good a lot of the time. It was definitely malnourished. It was, um, you know, I had several rotting teeth in my, in my mouth. Um, and I was more concerned that I was all pulled before I was 18 years old. I was going to have to get all my teeth pulled and have like some sort of dentures or something before I was 18. But my, my teeth were, my teeth were saved for what they were and and um so I, I did that and then um continued to teach dance and um I was choreographing I was putting on a yearly show with my dance teach posters my name is in um my name is on tv he was going places I was like I mean in our small town in Mendocino County my name was everywhere everybody knew me that's Lisa she's a my classes were full um, to this day I still have students that I started teaching from when they were three still my friends on Facebook I mean I have had full classes my classes were great I was doing really super well for myself and I was doing it myself and I was keeping my head on my shoulders and, and keeping my eye on the prize and realizing that I didn't want to turn out like my, my family I didn't want to be known as that I didn't want to be that way um <clears throat> And so I continued to take care of myself and um, the years went by, things were, things were really good during those years. Being, they, they were really 
decent I, I again I found my independence uh, and it was when I was get ready to graduate from high school that I was awarded a I think it was a $2,000 scholarship for all my hard work and having a straight A GPA uh, high school and doing really well um, and I felt so proud and it study teachers approached me and she said Lisa you've done so well by if you want to walk down you know and graduate you can mail you your diploma whatever you want to do I earned it I'm gonna walk and so <clears throat> um, we had to team up um, a girl and a, a girl and a guy had to team up to, to you know do our graduation walk and I didn't have anybody to walk with because I didn't know anybody really. I knew a few people, but you know, not a lot. And yeah. so my, my friend Crystal at t- the time, she was like, "Hey, Lisa." She goes, "Javen doesn't have Javen doesn't have a, a walking partner. Why don't you walk with him?" Yeah. <clears throat> so Javen had completely flourished from the ugly duckling to a beautiful swan, to say the least. <laughs> and I was like, "Yes, I'll walk with him. I'll definitely walk with him." And so we did our graduation walk, and, and right after our graduation, he, he approached me very, very shy as he is, and his head was down, and he said to me, um, would you go out with me? And I was like, well, maybe if you look at me, I'll go out with you. And he was like, oh, I'm sorry. He goes, I'm really shy. Will, will you go out with me? Will you go coffee with me? And I was like, of course I will. He's got really big, really? You really said yes? And I said, of course. And he was like, oh, great, great. He was so excited. And so we started dating. um, And I showed him where I was living. And I was invited him to one of my dance performances. And I was like, you know, my dance performance is this weekend. Why don't you come and watch? And he was like, yeah, I'd love to support you. Absolutely. Mm. So he came. And that night, I ended up tripping over a cord and off the bone <laughs> and oh no my... um and I was rushed to you know luckily no surgery had to be be done but I had to be casted up and then immediately and put in on crutches and I was like oh my god how embarrassing I've got this guy that I'm just starting to date and I break my ankle on stage in front of all these people that know me I was like, okay, well, I still have another night of dancing to do, and I still am in five different. I'm in five different pieces. There's no no backup for me. There's nobody to take my spot. So, I decided I was going to dance anyways, and I threw my crutches in the wings, and I did every piece on a broken ankle, and uh, and continued to get to know Javen. Um, and he was a hard, hard, hard worker, a, a tree climber. Um, he, when he wasn't working, he was looking for work. He always was working, um, very dedicated person, very respectful, takes his hat off when he goes into a building, very kind, very good looking, all the things. And I was like, wow, I got really lucky meeting this guy. And a week after dating, he, um, 
he said, you know, I, I can't date you anymore. I, I, I don't want to be committed to anybody. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm too scared. I, I, I don't want to date anybody. And I cried. I was like, okay. And I ran to my, um, ad- one of my adopted family crush and all that. I didn't really date, you know, in middle school or high school. He was it. And so she called him and I call her like my sister. She was like my sister. And, uh, she, she called up and she asked him what was going on. He goes, I'm just really scared. He goes, all through middle school and high school, I've never dated anybody. He goes, nobody ever said yes to me. And she told him, she said, well, this girl here is, is make an effort. And so he came back and we can, and, um, after a couple of years, he proposed and I accepted and lovely, lovely gentleman. Just wonderful, wonderful all the way around. And we, we married and we moved to, um, from Mendocino County back up to Humboldt County where I was from. And I had mixed feelings about moving back up to Humboldt County. I was really scared too. That was my trauma place. Not good things for me. Um, and he said, you know, this is a new story for us. Let's, let's start new. I'm willing to give it a try, you know? So we got ourselves a little place, a little one bedroom, almost like a studio. Our first apartment together, and he was doing tree work at a Christmas tree, cutting trees for various businesses. Uh, damn tree climber you could ever ask for. He's amazing. Uh, I was working, um, going to, we were both going to college. And I'm, the time, I'm trying to think of what I was doing for work there. Done. I was going to dental school at that time is what I was doing. I was going to dental school because I had become a coroner. And I wanted to work in the funeral industry and um, give back to people that way. Um, I've always been in it and I felt like that was where I needed to be. My soul was there to help other souls. So I was in dental school and dispatch at the same time trying to get my um, stuff together and um, um, we went on to buy our first home together I could ever, ever imagine living. It was, we had money, our bills were paid every month, we had an acre of land, we had a home, um, doing really well and um, I finally was um, enrolled in the police academy locally where I was training to become a coroner and a car crash evil um I believe this was 2006 or seven ish somewhere in there took took me out completely okay. I busted some ribs I can't go to the police academy because it's gonna start next week and I'm completely messed up and in physical therapy now I'm gonna go to the funeral home and I'm going to go see what I can do there. And I walked in and asked for a position there at the funeral home. And they um, said, okay, yeah, we're, we're looking for a removal person, somebody to do body pickup. We, we could maybe use you. You're, you're, you know, I was small. I'm tiny. I'm, I'm only like five, 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 six. And, um, you know, you think of a funeral director or a funeral person as being a big big guy you know to, to lift and everything but here I was this tiny little thing wanting to come and do this work 
And so my time he came walking through the door and he looked at me and he goes, have you ever seen a body before? I was like, no. And he goes, oh God, and you want to do this job? And I was like, yes. He's like, all right, follow me. I'm going to go take you to see one. And he hopped me in his car and I went and looked. And he's like, does that scare you? I was like, no. And he was like, it doesn't freak you out. Does it scare you? Does it make you squeamish? And I was like, no. I said, this is what I want to do. He goes, okay. He goes, I'm going to hire you today then. He goes, you can start in the morning. So I was hired that day that I went in. I was put on this earth to do was to. And I found it in the funeral industry. I had an interest. I had a love. Did not continue dancing after after marrying. Um, I didn't continue dancing very much at all. Um, I found my passion, my love. I found a new me. I was helping people and, and caring for people all at the same time. It was it was a marvelous connection for me to have that. Here that day, I worked a week and got hired full time. After uh, it was nine months later, I became a funeral director in the state of California by getting my. I worked my butt off to do that, and I felt good. I, I came beyond all my other family members. I graduated college. I, I, I had a successful career. I um, had a good marriage. Um, I was working hard and, and we had the things that we, we needed at the time. I mean, we had everything we could ask for. It was, it was... Um, so I worked for, for a while at the funeral home before becoming pregnant with my first, first um, child, my daughter. And um, a lot of stuff when I went, where I was working when they found out I was uh, pregnant a lot of things changed it was what they called the girl Friday I did everything at the funeral home from being on call at 2 in the morning for people who wouldn't take their calls to mowing lawns to doing death certificates to doing dusting and vacuuming and car washing and light bulb changing and garage power pregnant Absolutely. Okay. I, yeah, I know. I didn't. I didn't have a doctor's order to stop. I wasn't doing any super duper heavy lifting. I, I you know, I was told what I could safe about it. Um, but I was doing pretty much everything at that funeral home. You know, there wasn't a down moment. Something. Yeah. You know, I. Now I'm pregnant. You know, blah blah blah. What you normally do with your employee things changed for me. People got, my boss got really now. You know, all these women around here, we need to open up a daycare. You know, I'm so sick of women being pregnant around here. I'm so sick of that happening. You know, I need good funeral directors that who, who aren't going to run off to just make babies. And comment after comment daily was happening. And, you know, there was a private moment I had. He, he My boss came back from lunch desk and it was just me and him there everybody else was on there still on their lunch break and he looked at me and goes do you think this baby's going to come before your job he goes you have another thing coming and I was like dude I've been a great employee I said I've proven myself over and over again I've always taken people's calls I've always done what I've told to be done I go above and beyond I said my child's going to come first but my job is right here for me and I will always have you know I will always work hard at my job and he didn't say anything my daughter, August of, um, 
oh gosh, how long has been August 2009? I had my daughter. Um, and she, you know, I stayed taking a full day, but I, I didn't. I was anxious to get back to work. And at the time, Javen, you know, my husband at the time, he, he was, <clears throat> he was around and, and I had put myself on night calls anyways. So I was home all day and then he would just basically have to sleep with the sleep. If I got called out, I would just be called out anywhere from like 530 in the evening till 530. And if I got a call, I'd go. Baby was sleeping. He was sleeping. It was fine. <clears throat> but my hours started getting cut. And then when I wanted to come back full time, they didn't give me my job back. And I was like, all my friends who know me, I'm, I'm a, oh, hell no, you don't do that to me. Uh-uh. Myself at this point. I've been pushed down and pushed down and pushed down so much of my life. I'm going to stand up for myself. And I said, you know, it's not legally acceptable in the state of California that you don't give me or give me an equivalent job. Or Yeah. And nope, 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 job, no job. Nope, we're not giving you your job back, you know. And so I, and I did sue them and I won um, I said okay I'm taking a break from now and I, I had to leave that job I did what I did to, to stand up for women out there I wanted to stand up for all the women out there who go through what I had to go through with that it wasn't pleasant it wasn't fun it was negative uh, voices at me all the time people constantly making jokes or rude comments at me because I was a female and pregnant, that's not going to happen. No. So I, I did take, take legal action and I won. And um, I don't regret doing it. It did make it hard to, you know, find a job in that field because we are such a small town, but I don't regret it. And I would do it over again to stand up for women's rights. I got depressed because I, my calling wasn't there anymore. I was at home with the baby. You know, I was, that was it. I was a stay-at-home mom with this baby and I had worked my whole life that that's all I really knew how what to do so to just come to a standstill and just be at home with a child I didn't know what to do with myself and at that point my husband at the time become a firefighter so he was taking jobs and he was busy with wildland firefighting through the summer so he was not gone sometimes he wasn't even home four or five months he was gone straight and so basically, it's basically you felt like um, you were married, but you were not married. Kind of like a single mother raising her child because he was absent for so long. Exactly. He, he was there and, and he, he was there, but he wasn't there. He was there on the phone when he could call, but he wasn't there physically to help me through the long nights of her crying or anything. Yeah. And honestly, if I have to look back at it, I think he was afraid. I think he was really afraid to be a father. I, I, I really do. And I, and I see that now. Our situation now. But anyways, so he, he was a fire wildland firefighter. And I was really proud of him for what he was doing. He take a maternity leave either. He, he was allowed a, a few weeks off and he didn't want to do it. And so I found myself with my dream job gone now and at home with a baby with no partner to help me. He was supporting us financially and he would come home off and on when he could, 
but he wasn't there the full time to help me out like a, a normal, you know, well, like I had hoped would happen. Yeah. I, shouldn't, I shouldn't say normal. Everybody's life is different, but as, as I had hoped, yeah. he would be there. I, I think it's um, shared the responsibility because, yes. Yes. you know, when you're married or you're together with somebody, um, with children or without children, it should be a teamwork and it should be sharing the responsibilities regardless if it's financial or if it's about having the child and you need that support because at the end of the day when you're on your own it does affect your mental health and you need that break you need a little bit of me time right absolutely and i was not getting that at all and um so you know there i was sitting there you know day after day with the baby diaper changing breastfeeding doctor's appointments immunizations all the things that you know you do with your kids taking them to the park alone and I, I found myself to not be very happy I was like what I had you know thought it was going to be so I was like I gotta pull myself out of this rut as I tell myself all the time come on Lisa pull yourself out of this rut you know I'm gonna take a quick break and we will be right back Have you heard about Pam Sears, a psychic medium? Well, let me tell you, Pam has the ability to provide you some answers regarding her love, career, and financial. She also has a special gift that allows her to connect with someone special on the other side. So connect with Pam at 623-738-6715 or check out her website at pamsears.com. And we are back and get ready for the twist on Lisa's story. Um, so, you know, I know we have the two kids and stuff. Maybe we could get a babysitter because I'm really jonesing to go dancing. Like I wanted to go dancing. I wanted to get out. I'd never been out before. I'd never been to a bar, a club, anything like that. I've never had any fun before. I've always had to grow up. And like, yeah, well, I don't know what to tell you. And I kind of just was like, all right, never mind. Scratch that idea, you know. And so I carried on my life for about another year before I had a horrible, horrible anxiety panic attack. Horrible. Never saw it coming. Didn't know what was going on all over a restaurant almost passed out no idea what was going on and that was a red flag or a light bulb going off I don't know but I went to the doctor diagnosed me with having general anxiety disorder and um, I got myself on a medication and I started therapy and I went to my therapist and talked to me and she was like, I want to ask you something. Authentic self. Like, in my 30s, you know, now, you know, when this happened, the early 30s at the time. And I said, well, no, I'm not. Well, I've always really liked women. I've always been attracted to women. Um, 
I've always been interested in I, I mean I feel like I'm bisexual I feel like I'm, I'm more into women than I am men she's like okay and so she started pulling up some gay and lesbian websites this was the first time I came out yeah, for I'm sure. Be, I'm not allowed to like women. I'm married. I have kids. I'm not allowed to do that. And I said, well, you know, I mean, I don't know what to do. What the heck? You know? I session with her and I came home and I put my aside and I, and I said, you all, you've known for all these years that we've been together. And he was like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what to do. And I was like, no, I'm not past don't worry about it he goes you'll get over the feelings let it go and he took off and again mind you we haven't had a connection for a few years at this point lost and I had actually thought about leaving him and so I approached him again in the bathroom a couple like listen these feelings I need I need to confront these feelings I need to to do with these and he goes well feel about me exploring a little bit in that situation you know woman you know whatever I mean just feeling it out like not sexually necessarily but just having maybe a really close woman friend a female friend or something like that and he was like yeah yeah okay to it but he wasn't against it and then he was just like you know he he, he can't fired back with me to me not fired back but he said back to me he goes you know I could actually use some um different he goes how would you be and we both agreed on an open relationship let's try an open Let's see how this works. In our back of our minds, we already knew our relationship was over. There was definitely no whatsoever. We agreed to just, he was going to see if he could find somebody and I was going to look there in the lesbian world and in the gay community and stuff like that and see, I needed to find that part of me. What was missing in my life? I knew a gal who worked one of the facilities. Very more masculine energy than female um and i was i was very attracted to her because she was so blunt and so bitchy and just and i was like hi and she was like and i said can i ask you a personal question like i i'm super nervous about this but can i ask you and she was like yep go for it and i "Mm, are you gay and she slammed her hands down on that counter so fast and she got right in my face and she goes, do I fucking look gay to you? And I was like, oh my God. And my heart sank like that feeling. And I was like, yeah, I'm so sorry. Back in her chair and she laughed and she goes, yes, I'm gay. Did I scare you? And I was like, yeah, quite a bit. And we had to laugh about it. And um, we talked for a little bit, changed numbers. And I fell for her. I fell for her so hard. I fell head over heels for that woman. She was older than me by about 10 years. Um, Heavy set gal, blonde hair, you know. um, She always had self, she was very very self-conscious about the way she looked, but she was the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my life. She still will always be the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my life. And we did a lot together. So in love with her. So. And then? And she agreed. And we got married in our backyard with the kids as witnesses. And after we married, you know, I, she took, she introduced me to alcohol. 
drunkenness um, before to somebody who was drinking every weekend when the kids were with their dads because their dads have them every week their dad has them every week or they would hang out with their dad this is obviously started before we divorced um I started going to the bars with her and hanging out and their dad would watch you know their dad would be home with them while I would go out and I started feeling like I was doing what my mom did to me you know going out and the kids at home with the dad and all that um had to blow up and it was in we ended it we were like we're done he had his, he was I was hurt I'm done we, we just we called it good and we, we divorced we, we got our divorce started the divorce and uh, I said you keep the house I don't want to keep the house take my stuff out divorce wasn't it was nasty and hard but he decided he wanted the kids every week like nope you're not going to be the fun dad I'm, I'm not going to homeschool these kids I've been homeschooling my kids since they were both four years old I'm not all this work just for you to get them on the weekends and have fun because that's what he wants he wants to be the fun dad so you can have them every weekend except the third weekend of the month third weekend of the month is mine I want them at least and have fun with them so we agreed to that so being with Becky my lesbian the wonderful person that I was with at the time when their dad had the kids on the weekends we didn't have them we were drinking we were going to bars we were bar we were drinking and I thought that was I thought this was a lifestyle that everybody did I, I was completely naive to it in as crazy as it sounds I I thought that dad on well the drinking turned into how many guys can we bring home in a week to sleep with or how many people can we I I was I was the girl who had one love for 17 years with Javen that her drinking drunk to um, make herself look good because she didn't feel attractive and she, she didn't have a lot of people coming up to her and asking her out or wife um, and wanting to have a relationship with her um, that she used me as her pawn I'm going to buy myself vodka I'm going to keep her drunk and all this time I'm completely naive and blindsided by it because I'm in love with her I'm in love with her I'm completely in love with her so the once in a while bites to my ear or the punch refrigerator I let it go oh she's just angry it's normal I'll just stay drunk mind you never did none of this my kids were home it was always when I was alone with her my really super close friend that I had for 16 years my friend Paul and I was like let's hang out you know I can hang out with you now yay you know I hadn't seen him and like see neither one of them in, like seven years it's like let's catch up let's you know friends again I started feeling really happy again I was seeing people back in my life and I was doing things we were traveling to Disneyland and oh and doing all sorts of fun things the alcohol was still there the abuse was still there the rude comments all there um soon it turned into hey baby why don't you cut off all your hair my hair was all the way down to my butt hair off shave it off shave it off you're gonna look so hot you're gonna look so oh my I'm gonna be so I'm gonna be oh I'm not gonna be able to keep my hands off you so I shaved it all off 
and my confidence level went down and she knew that that's what was going to happen. She would do anything she could to bring me down. And I didn't see it because we in love. As a lot of us get, we get blinded by love. Wow, I I cannot like I can only imagine how in a shock because I'm assuming you shaved your head while being under the influence and then when you were not under the influence it kind of like hit hits you yeah of what you've done absolutely and i'm still going oh my hair but it's growing back right, right now it's doing well uh, but yes i did all that and and she was she was jonesing for attention that she had gotten and she was using me again as a pawn um well we had decided one weekend this was october of October 2nd to be exact about. Weekend alone. Nobody was going to come over. Have any crazy bar jumping places. Um, I had already broken my foot from being drunk. I had fell into a um, dresser and blacked my eye once. I was agreeing to drink, which I will take responsibility for. But at the same time, when I... She was continuing to keep me drunk. It was October 2nd of last, last year that she she was sitting on the bed and uh, she was playing a video game. And it was just going to be her and I. We were going to try and just have a good weekend together. And I said, hey, we need to get that that game that we play, the rock rock and roll game, the rock band game, because that's what we were playing with our friend Paul all the time. He, he was coming over off and on and playing and stuff. And she was like, oh, I fucking hate that guy. And I was like, I'm sorry. I said, you know, he's just an old friend of mine. I've known him forever. I met him when I was working working at Sears. <laughs> um, and uh, she looked at me and she goes, I know we said we weren't going to have you call him and have him bring over. Can you have him bring over the rock band game so we could play? And I looked at her and said, really? Yeah, but he can't sleep in our bed. So I called him and I said, you can come over and play rock band if you want. And he was like, uh, I don't know goes she doesn't really want me around and I was like well she's inviting you came over and we played and I went and next thing I know I wake up to him saying you don't want to do that and I didn't think too too I didn't think much of it at all I was just like oh whatever and I rolled over and went back to sleep um and I will, I will go back real quickly, um, real quick, do, I will say this, that I, I had, had originally hit, I had joined a women's group to try and clear our minds and all that with the girls, um, as a women's retreat type of vacation. And well, on that vacation, I was raped. And so I am a rape survivor as well. Um, think about it too much, but obviously it is somebody, something that is, it's still part so that that had happened that had happened yes i mean you know uh, and and this is where a lot of your emotions come out and your tears come out because you have so much inside of you that needs to be healed the trauma yes and you know i was contacted by the rape council locally and everything and they were like do you need counseling i always 
always that's how I always am I'm fine like I don't feel anything I don't feel like I know people go through a lot worse than me yes it happened it's and you know um yeah but I'm not gonna play a victim to this so I I talked a little bit about it and then I kind of just pushed it aside and, and didn't really you know it happened to me and I'm a survivor of it and I'm lucky but going going forward back to that October 2nd night you know when she she started she was trying to pick a fight Becky was trying my ex-wife was trying to pick a fight with Paul playing video games and I had put myself to sleep I went to sleep and um there was alcohol involved with her and Paul and I I had had a couple drinks which is why I went to sleep drinking more I didn't want to be forced upon anymore I wanted to just go to sleep well I woke the second time the first time I woke up hearing him tell her you know you don't want to do that the second time I woke up was me being pulled into the garage by my hair and her with her full mouth and she was biting me as hard as she could I have never felt such pain screamed Paul came running in and she ran off and I said I'm that's it I'm calling the cops I've been hit by you so many times I've been slapped I've been bit I've been this is it I'm calling the cops and I did and she was pulled out of the bathroom and arrested handcuffed in the house and arrested on a felony for domestic violence and uh she posted bail and got out and came and got her stuff and she moved she moved out immediately harassing didn't stop was harassed for hours on my phone hours this f that f this f that i hate you you're nothing but this just name calling name calling name calling uh, over and over calling my ex-husband and saying things to him Uh, i wasn't getting sleep i wasn't getting a secure place i didn't feel secure uh, she was driving by my house, and this was my wife, who I loved, and I do, I, you know, I can't say that I still am in love with her, but I do not wish her harm, and I do not wish anything bad to happen to her, but I wish she would have for her. Um, so I put a restraining order on her, and all this time, I realized that she was a lesson I had to go through. She was a, a really freaking hard lesson. I... And it was the hardest lesson to be abused and to be and to be forced into things. To feel like you're in a safe spot with a group of women only to, to feel worthless like you don't matter that you're just a, a body that can be just pushed around and that's that's how I felt I felt like I was just an object for her when I cut my hair I was ugly I was ugly I was the ugly one now and she was a pretty one me my hair cut short nobody would want me Anyways, nobody would want me because I have anxiety. She always thought my kids were terrible and that my kids are wonderful. And yet my heart out her and still wonders how she how is she doing? And I think the journey that I've taken was a journey I had to take to get to Paul. Because he saved 
and he created a space for my kids and I and we don't have money and we're not we struggle most of the time and you know but we're happy you don't have the money you struggle but you have the love and you have the security and you have someone that gives you the nurturing that you've always needed all your life to learn to accept it because I anybody's love and I don't feel worth anybody's energy the worth I deserve to have some but at the end of the day when I put my head down on that pillow I know that I'm worth everything and I know that I'm worth love and I'm worth feeling beautiful and I'm worth joy and life and rainbows and unicorns and butterflies and all those things I know I'm worth and I know what my worth is but it's taking me a long time and there's still a lot of steps I need to take to continue to know my worth and get my confidence back and you're doing a great job because um, you know time is the key and time is what will get you to that level where you're gonna really feel that 100% confidence Absolutely. and self-love Absolutely. so um, Lisa is there a special message you would like to share with our listeners absolutely we walk this journey in this crazy path that we call life every day and we hit rocks and we hit bumps and we flat out fall through holes sometimes you gotta put your superhero cape keep going you gotta battle those they're only temporary this too shall pass this too shall get better and if you believe in spirit or God angels or whatever it is you believe in they got your back because they got mine and I've survived a lot and I know that they can too yeah that's beautiful um, Lisa I would like to thank you for sharing your inspirational story with us today and for all the listeners out there a big thank you and keep tuning in for our next episode namaste namaste